0: Welcome, everybody, to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and it is the day after Christmas. I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas with your family and friends. I hope you spend some quality time together because they're the people that make your life so special each and every day that you wake up. I hope you guys also got to eat a lot, and I hope you guys also got some great gifts. And I hope you gave some great gifts, too, and made other people happy. So... I have a—unfortunately, uh, this is our last show for this year, believe it or not, because the next show is airs on January 2nd, which means that'll be 2016. So what a year it has been, guys. You know, I am so blessed to have the opportunity to speak to so many amazing people and get to see so many amazing things and bring them to you each and every day. I love art, as anybody would hopefully know. And to be able to share what I do and my passion for you—to you, I should say— is very, very important to me because I believe that anybody can use art as a positive way to express yourselves and have fun doing it. And when you do it, it touches somebody else. It may not touch everybody, and that's okay, but it will touch one person. And when you touch that one person, you've made an impact in that person's life. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been in photography since 2003. I've been doing art ever since I can remember. And honestly, there's no bigger um joy to me than to hear people get touched by my art because it's an expression of me and it's a piece of me, my soul. And um and with that, I hope that I inspire you and these guests inspire you to follow their footsteps or my footsteps and do what you love to do. So I have a lot to, to cover with you guys today. I have Danica Knight coming up. She is a country music artist, so we're gonna be listening to her song. We are also going to the Tarpon Springs Aquarium where we are going. It's a small aquarium, but they do so many interactive things with fish and, and marine life. And this is actually on our AME television show. Uh, it's a couple of, couple of weeks ago. And we are talking to Martin Cummings from Where Calls the Heart. He is the third guy that we've talked to from this amazing series. And he has a different role that you're probably not used to because the other two were more of like a heroine and, um, and friendships and, and fighting and stuff like that. This is actually, he's supposedly the bad guy of the group. But he really isn't that bad. So, let me start off this show with our first guest. All right, everybody, I have on the line with me Danica Knight. She is uh, she just recently released a single called "Love Ain't a Prize," and it's on her "Can't Buy a Southern Girl" EP. She has a blended rock, country, and blues sound, and she's open for some amazing uh, people like Hank Williams Jr., Kelly Pickler, REO Speedwagon, and Kid Rock. Welcome to the show, Danica. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing good.
0: Doing good. I'm, Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. This is this is a lot of fun. I love talking to musicians because there's so many uh, experiences inside the music field that I've seen from people that have had to struggle their whole life, but then make it. And then there's people that just seem to wake up and it's just there for them. So it's uh it's 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 it's, it's fun to to hear everybody's side of the, uh, their story and how they've become a uh, a professional singer. So tell us how you started.
1: Yeah. Well. Um, I've been in the business for a little over four years now. I, I've always sang growing up when I was a child. I did show choir and school choirs and church choir. And once I graduated high school, I went to college. And I went to Auburn University studying special education and exercise science. And while I was there, it just hit me that I've had this gift um, of, of singing and entertaining. And that's what I'm still called to do, and that's uh, what helps people most other than what I was studying. So um, I left Auburn, and I, uh, within two weeks, I found a, a little 80s cover band, and I joined this 80s cover band, and I started making a little bit of money that way, and I joined a different uh, cover band, which was a little bit bigger, and it involved um, more gigs with my peers, and so I did a college circuit, and uh, just just sort of learning about what it was to put on a show. And as I was doing that I started traveling to Nashville because I'm from Alabama and it takes four hours to get to Nashville. And I started working with songwriters and uh, writing my own music and decided to pursue music as Donica Knight, the musician band. And I've been very fortunate and got to open up for a lot of different folks and I can't wait to continue on and see who else I get to perform before and maybe one day somebody can say the same thing about me.
0: Well, what's the hardest part of a show for you? Is it actually getting out there and singing in front of people? Is it trying to put on a, an entertaining show that keeps people's attention? Um, what is it for you?
1: Hardest part about a show? Hmm. Well, sometimes I have to set up all the year. And so setting up all the year can, uh, can be pretty difficult um, and heavy. And then after you've lugged in a whole bunch of gear, especially if you have a show that you have to go up an elevator um, and then put on a show, your body's already beat before you put on one. So that is something that um, is definitely something to come over. Uh, But lately I've been lucky, and I haven't had to load in as many uh, of my equipment and the sound equipment as well.
0: And what's the most rewarding part of being an entertainer for you?
1: I love talking to the people. I love talking to especially young girls or people aspiring to to be a singer or just somebody that enjoyed the show. Um, The best part is just meeting the fans afterwards and uh, learning more about them and their life. Um, But there's nothing like being on the stage and being in the moment and uh, using your gift to uh, impact the world.
0: Now, why did you decide to, do, to go with such a blend of sounds? Because, I mean, country, rock, and blues are pretty, sim- uh, pretty different in, in its own right, but it also has some similarities. What makes that combination work for you?
1: Well, uh, I am from Alabama, and so that's considered a southern state. So you know I'm going to be raised around country music. But also Muscle Shoals runs in the water, uh, where I'm from, and Muscle Shoals is known for its blues and rock. So that's where all the influences come from. Is uh, I was born country, uh, but I'm also got uh, blues and rock in the water where I'm from.
0: I mm-hmm. and Muscle Shoals is very known for having Leonard Skinner out there too, which is kind of like a southern rock band.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, We're lucky that Fan Studios, it's incredible how much history has taken place here. We've had the Rolling Stones come and record albums. Uh, We've had Aretha Franklin and all the Mm Motown happened in the wonderful state that I'm from.
0: So basically music has always been a part of your family and and pretty much everywhere you walked around you had some type of music influence in your life.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely the only musician in, in my family. But just being in the state that I'm from, wherever you go, you hear about Hank Williams Jr. Um, and Hank Williams Sr. because he's the. I live right by Montgomery, and that's where Hank Williams Museum is at, and that's where Hank's grave is at. Mm-hmm. And you hear all about music around here. You definitely can't run from it. You run to it.
0: So, what were some of these guys like? Like I said, I know you opened up for like Kid Rock and Oreo Speedwagon, Kelly Pickler, Hank Williams Jr. You got a huge list of them. What were some of them like? I mean, did you get to meet them? Did you just open for them? What was it? What was your experiences? Yeah,
1: well, um, I've got to meet several folks and several artists, um, and a lot of times when I'm going and doing a show, I want to go meet fans, and my whole goal isn't to meet. Um, people that I was opened up for, it's always a treat, but I want to go meet somebody that I don't know that, that wants to, to listen to my music and, and become a fan of mine. So every time I go to a show before the show, um, we have meet and greet. After the show, we have meet and greet, and that's what I'm normally doing on show days.
0: Well, that's, that's very important. I mean, one of the things that... You keep as an artist is your fans, and if you keep them happy, and you give them that interaction because I haven't even noticed for for music it's been more important for a fan to feel like they're connected with you uh, and have a personal relationship with with that artist that really helps your career.
1: I think so, I think so. I know I've had several fans that i that I met um when I first began music, and they've stuck with me um where I am now, and hopefully they'll continue to support me uh 30 years from now.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you've worked with some pretty amazing producers, too, and I'm sure that they've given you some advice. What has been some, some of the most important advice that you've received from producers that have had a lot of success uh, helping musicians become uh, number one artists?
1: Yeah. Well, everybody's had... They all give their own advice, and it all varies. Um, but one thing that I've learned from working with a bunch of different musicians and uh, producers is that it's important for you to be yourself. Um, And I know I found myself uh, recording and singing a lot of songs that I did not write, Mm -hmm. and I decided that it needed to change and I needed to be me because um, I I need to say what I want to say and what I need to say. Um, And so that's why I'm proud about Loving and Pride and this whole EP. It's 100% me, and it's the first time that I can say that all of this is is my words and where I am in my life, musically, mentally, um, and that's what I've really learned is that it's important for me to speak my mind and um, be myself.
0: Was it hard for you to start to learn to write songs or did it just come naturally, and what's your process?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I just started writing songs a little over four years ago. And I had no idea about writing. I didn't know if I wanted to write. I just knew I was going to try. And I was blessed. I started working with a producer named Rob Galbraith. And he introduced me to several amazing songwriters. One being Micah Reed, who wrote I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. And Pat McLaughlin. And just some well-established writers. And what really inspired me was during these um, writing meetings, they really felt that I had a a natural gift and a natural talent. And it really just gave me the confidence to continue writing um, and to start writing more on my own. Um, And it was really just hearing from these great songwriters that you have it in you, girl, and just gave me the extra confidence and boost to to continue continue with that work Um, that was very rewarding
0: I'm sure you know I I do I've been doing painting and, and photography for probably 25 years 30 years now and every time I do one of these particular paintings, for me, it's like an expression of myself, and it's something special each time. Even though, even though it may not be my best work, there's something special about it, and there's a piece of me inside of each one of my paintings or each one of my photos. Is that the same for you when you write a song? I mean, does it have a special meaning? Do you do you put emotion into it? Um, how how does that song represent you when you're done with it, or you hope it represents you?
1: Yeah. Definitely. Every song uh, is just like every painting that you do and picture that you do. Uh, It's different every time. It has a a different purpose. Um, It has different words. It has different melodies. Um, If it was painting, I'm sure it has different colors. And so it it just, every song is special in its own way. Um, Sometimes they come together in 15 minutes, and sometimes they come together in a couple hours, and then other ones... It takes you years to finish, um, but for sure, uh, every song that I write is is special in its own way uh, Mm -hmm. because it has its own purpose, and it's cool going back and listening to stuff that I first started writing and then to the songs that I write now, and that goes to um, performance as well, doing performances. Each performance is special, and I just love going and playing live because I get a new memory from every show and it's, it's great the people that you meet and the band that you travel with and the relationships that you start to form mm-hmm. is just, it, it's why I love doing what I do and I have the best job in the world.
0: You know, I was reading uh, your, your song, uh, your your actually EP label says you can't buy a southern girl. That's got to have some type of meaning for it. You know, tell people how you came up with that specific title for your EP.
1: Well, it speaks for itself. You can't buy a Southern girl. It's a mentality um, that I have and that a lot of people have down in the South and throughout the world. uh, Self-worth and who you are and the love that you offer is something that you can't put a price on. Um, The person that you with uh, needs to earn your love um, because it's something that that you give to somebody else. um, And it's something that can't be bought. It's something that you can't be given gifts um, because uh, if, if you get offered a ring, a nice, big, shiny ring, and there's no meaning behind it, what's the point? It's just a big, shiny ring. Um, I, I'm more into the meaning behind the ring itself.
0: You know, that's amazing because I've lived, I was born and raised up in Connecticut, lived around New York City, and I've moved to Tampa, and I've moved to all these different places. And, you know, I have found exactly what you're saying more prevalent down here than any other place I've ever been or seen. And uh, I think that's what makes the South so special. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about your new single, Love Ain't a Prize. Um, where, was there a story behind that that you wrote, or is it just a, just a, an observation from people around you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to have a sing-along song that just had this powerful message behind it, something that maybe Aretha Franklin would be proud to thank, something that had meat on its bone and a, just a solid message um, to put across to people and that's where the heart of uh, love enterprise came from and it was recorded in los angeles and we had some amazing musicians on it um darwin johnson was on bass; he plays for colby Calais and adam lambert and then randy cook was on drums and randy plays for all sorts of folks ringo star um Kelly uh, Clarkson, and um, then Jim Huff was the producer, and he played the guitar and the, and the banjo on and that. And I'm just real proud of this record and where, it, where it's going and uh, the response that just the single uh, is getting. And it comes out on uh, iTunes and Amazon November 1st. So
0: <laughs> That's my birthday, so that's got to be something special then.
1: Oh, happy birthday! Oh, thank
0: you and uh, it's gotta it's gotta feel it's gotta feel very powerful to see something like that and you see yourself on like iTunes and you see yourself on a CD it's gotta be surreal
1: it is it is um, this this album when I got my hard copy in um, because I do have the hard copies and they the whole album is being released next year so nobody can see my hard copy CD Uh, but they did just come in and I was just blown away and so tickled because I spent a long time working on this album. It's had several years of learning and experience, and love and writing all into this this record. And from just doing the artwork, I did the artwork, and uh, there's a guy in Los Angeles, Robert Fisher, that was helping me with it. Just being able to. To pick it out myself and do the colors and have everything the way that I envisioned it in the way that I wanted um follows my mind and it, it makes it so much more worth it because um, it it is my product and it is my brand, and it's uh it's my music and I just get excited sharing it to people and having people respond back and and liking it and want me to come sing it to them.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. I, I, I love when, when that kind of stuff happens. And I love I actually love watching the interaction of people that when I show my artwork to, I love to see them smile. Sometimes I like to see them get upset too because I know I'm, I'm hitting an emotion for them. Uh, whether that be a good emotion or a bad emotion, it makes you think. And uh, I think that's one of the most powerful things that I've ever had to experience as an artist is seeing people's reactions and seeing what they want to think of, me, of my work and what they don't think of it. And uh, just being... Uh, just being real—that's really what it's what it comes down to—is the artwork being real for people.
1: Mhm. I agree, a hundred percent on that.
0: Well, we are just about out of time because I want to be able to play your single before we go. So, how can anybody uh, find you? How can they find this new song, this new single, "Love Ain't a Prize"?
1: Yeah. Well, you can go to my website. It is com. And you spell my name, D-O-N-I-C-A-K-N-I-G-H-T. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and social media, um, all those social media outlets, Facebook. And I respond to all of my messages. And um, just if you go to my website, you'll see all those social links on. I have a video for Love Enterprise. I don't know if you were able to see it yet, uh, but that's on Vivo. And it was just so much fun i worked with a uh, top notch director noel maitland and he just nailed it and he got the exact uh, performance and video that i was going for so um, hopefully you have a chance to go scope that out and all your listeners do as well
0: yeah, I have I have seen that it was a beautiful video and that's one of the things that caught my eye so much about this uh about your music was just the just the professionalism that you put into it and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show because of the fact that not only do you have great music but you also have a lot of professionalism behind you.
1: Thank you. I I was just I'm tickled pink about that video because um I wanted to show that I'm a live performer because that's what I've been doing. I have so many shows under my belt, and I really wanted to capture that in this video, as well as have a storyline to my song as well. So uh, I'm really glad you liked it, and you, you found it professional, and um, all that shebang.
0: <laughs> well, Donica, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your experiences, and you know, sharing your music with the world.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me This has been a delight and uh, the best
0: part of my day I'm glad And guys, please go check out her stuff You can go see her, her uh, music video, Love Ain't a Prize On the video, uh, on, v- on Vivo But also, you're going to be hearing it right now We're going to go to that song And then when we come back, we're going to be going to a commercial break And then you're going to be hearing more interviews and commentary after, after that So stay tuned
2: Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird.
1: Hey guys, this is Jen Lilly. You can check out my new Christmas CD, Tinsel Time, on my website, jenlilly.com, on iTunes, Amazon, and wherever digital media is sold.
0: All right, guys, we are back, and I am going to be taking you right now to our next interview that we did at the Tarpon Springs Aquarium. Uh, This is a really cool aquarium. I had a lot of fun when I was there, and if you're in the Tarpon Springs area, check it out. It's right off of the main sponge docks, the historic sponge docks in Tarpon Springs. So let's go to the Tarpon Springs Aquarium right now. Hey everybody. I am here in Tarpon Springs and we are at the Tarpon Springs Aquarium and we're going to learn a little bit about some fish. This is a really cool place. They have some a lot of interactive stuff for you guys to enjoy and I'm here with Scott the owner. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Awesome. So tell me about this uh, place. How did you get in how did you build, what was the inspiration behind it?
3: Well, it started, I guess, really when I was a young child and I decided I want to be a marine biologist. After watching some Jacques Cousteau and so forth, I grew up in Indiana in the Midwest, and, uh, and I didn't really get a chance to even ever see the ocean I was about 10 years old. I came to Florida to visit my grandmother, and the first time I saw the ocean, that's when I was convinced that I wanted to do something that involved animals of the ocean.
0: Now, I know we're going to be showing you guys some of the actual feeding of the, the sharks that are just behind us here. Are these sharks indigenous to this area?
3: They are. All the animals, for the most part, except for a few exceptions, are animals that were captured right here along our shoreline. So, yes. And what type of sharks do you have here for people to see? Well, we have, uh, we have nurse sharks, and, uh, which are a very common species, uh, which do quite well in captivity. We have uh, sandbar sharks, and, and we typically have hammerhead sharks, small hammerheads, and um, cat sharks for people to see.
0: Now, I know sharks are, you know, relatively aggressive sometimes, and they can be very dangerous. So how do you get, how do you get the, the feeders to go in there and not get bit by these sharks?
3: Well, <laughs> sharks can, you know, are notorious for being uh, dangerous animals, but they're actually surprisingly timid. And actually, when we get a shark, a new shark, in the aquarium, it takes several months before they get comfortable enough to even approach the diver. And uh, typically when you're diving in the wild and you see a shark, if you're lucky to see them, they're usually on their, they're getting away from you. They're doing their best to avoid divers. And, uh, but after a period of time, they get comfortable and they begin to associate you with food. And therefore, it kind of creates a more dangerous animal in a sense. But we have found they're not these mindless eating machines. They're, they're actually uh, you know, somewhat timid. And, and uh, as long as you use some common sense, you can actually get in there and hand feed them like we do.
0: Now, I've heard something a long time ago about sharks being able to smell a drop of blood from, like, miles away. Is
3: that true? Well, it's true. They, it's, they can smell, you know, I think it's one part per billion parts of water. So they have an incredible ability to pick up on the, the scent of blood. And they're, they're uh, scavengers. And so they're gonna, they need to be able to find animals out there in the ocean that are injured or sick or dying because that's what they typically feed on.
0: And I saw some of these little fish, and you just mentioned it in, in your in your speech over there, that are attached to these sharks. Are those really um, like a like a, a parasite, or are they just kind of, you know, find like 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 cows have those little white birds by them?
3: Yeah, they're they're really uh, not a parasite. They used to think that maybe they were a parasite and they kind of sucked the the blood or something out of their host, which is typically a shark. They're known as shark suckers, but they found that they. Um, they don't. The suction cup has nothing to do with their mouth. It's actually on the top of their head. And, uh, and then they used to think they clean parasites off of the shark, but now they believe they don't do that either. they basically just a fish that clings on there for transportation, protection. And in the case of a shark, when it's ripping apart its prey, they'll pick up a little, uh, the scraps as they break free.
0: Coming through here, I noticed that you have some actual interactive tanks where people can touch and feel and stuff. What are in those tanks for these kids and these adults to, to touch and interact with?
3: Well, we, we've, we would like to encourage, I think, particularly with children, I guess all of us are uh, ch- adults as well, but there's nothing like the experience of actually touching them and make it seem real. And so we have a lot of interactive uh, tanks where you can touch them. We have uh, stingrays, which are one of the favorites, and uh, we allow people to actually hand-feed them. and Removing their barb, they're totally harmless. We have sharks that you can feed as well. We're one of the few places I know of where you're allowed to feed sharks. And can't hand feed them, but we feed them off at the end of a stick. It's to save your fingers, I guess. <laughs> That's important. <Yeah. laughs> you want to have those.
0: Um, you also have some reptiles here. I noticed that you have, a, you have an alligator and some snakes.
3: How are the snakes and, the, and these fish interacting?
0: Uh, why do you have both of them in, in the aquarium?
3: Well, we originally we did not have any reptiles, and I had someone that uh, wanted to donate a python to the aquarium. This was years ago, and I thought about it a little bit, and I said, well, we'll make a little corner here for the python. And, and, uh, and they became, uh, I guess it became a kind of a popular with our guests. And then once people saw that we had one python, we had more people wanting to donate animals, and all of our reptiles... Our uh, unwanted pets that have been donated here at the aquarium we have a lot of turtles and snakes and except our alligators come from a local farm
0: have you ever done any shows where you actually get in, in, in with the gators or is that too dangerous
3: well we we, f- we feed the gators we don't get in right in with them but we feed them you know from a safe vantage point and then we uh, we do get typically get a smallish one out and let or bring them out to so the crowd can touch them and, and once again get that hands-on experience how much uh, uptake uptake does it take to keep this place
0: you know sanitary for the fish healthy for the fish and um, yet appealing to the eye
3: well um, marine exhibits are notoriously difficult um, you you know people have zoos and different types of animals and in the the marine animals basically it all depends on the water quality and if you have good water quality they typically are are healthy but if the water quality is not what it should be then they're They're not going to be healthy, and um, marine animals are used to a very stable environment out there in the ocean. It doesn't change very little, if at all, and so we bring them in here, and we don't maintain that stable environment for them. They're not going to be happy and not healthy, so um, it takes a lot of work, you know, and you have to get, you you have to stay ahead of it. You can't wait till you have sick animals and then try to address it. You have to keep it, you know, I guess stable all the time for them, so. How much does it take to feed one shark per year,
0: in in terms of money and maybe volume wise, and how much pounds? Well,
3: surprisingly, cold blooded animals like reptiles and fish, they have low nutritional needs in comparison to warm animals like warm blooded animals like ourselves. I always like to compare this as we see an alligator and we see a man of similar size. That alligator has a lot bigger mouth, and yes, he might be able to eat more food in one at one time. But in reality, the man requires, with his warm, uh, high metabolism, requires over 10 times the amount of food. So. That's very interesting.
0: Well, I don't want to keep you anymore, so thank you for showing us this place. But how can people find you?
3: Well, we're located in the sponge docks in Tarpon Springs, and uh, on the world-famous sponge docks, but, um, which uh, is just north of Clearwater and uh, along the banks of the Anclote River. And uh, we are online, TarponSpringsAquarium.com. Awesome. And I will have
0: all their information for you after this segment. So just keep keep checking it out. Check our website, and you'll see all the information there. Thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures, or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird.
4: Hey, I'm Michael Rosader, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show.
0: All right, everybody, I have on the line with me Martin Cummins, and he is from the show off the Hallmark station called When Calls the Heart. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
4: Not so bad, you know?
0: Good. So tell me a little bit about your character on the show.
4: Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's, I suppose he's a villain, of course, you know? He's um, a fellow Londoner and whatnot, and he's sort of... uh, yeah, well, he's the, yeah, he's the he's he's the classic bad guy, I guess, in that sense.
0: Oh, you gotta love the classic bad guy. So, I mean, what's a show without it?
4: <laughs> what
0: kind of um? What kind yeah, of th- yeah.
4: Well, there he is. He makes the hero the hero.
0: That's right. So, That's exactly right. So, how did you get into uh, being playing a a, a a villain? Is this more of a new role for you, or is it just something that just seems to radiate when you do take roles? Well,
4: I don't know. You know, it's it's kind of funny because it, it, it for whatever reason it just seems to be. Uh, I mean, I play a lot of bad guys. I tell I've made my living for 25 years as an actor. which I always kind of get a bit of a laugh over and I've got you know four kids and a dog and a cat and, and this sort of thing. And you know, it's 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 far from what I actually am, but it certainly has me make i living. It's something about the, the vibration or whatever I give off, I guess, for some reason, that I often play the bad guy.
0: Well, it takes a special type of person. When right? I notice when it does, when people do play bad guys, it takes that that. Um... It it takes a certain look. I think it also takes a certain types of type of voice. And I think it also takes about, you know, something that you gotta play a powerful role and that's not easy for everybody to play.
4: I don't know. I don't, you know, I yeah, it's it's um I don't know, I'm not sure what it is. It's just, it's just so, I guess it's something something about the personality just when you're walking around or something. I I, I don't know. I, I was kind of a bit of a laugh about it. I mean I've never played I I just haven't played, you know, sort of the um too much of the you know, I, I played anti heroes and whatnot, but not too much good guy, you know. And, you know I mean, I can just remember one one time I sort of I played a you know, father of the on a on, a, on a, you know, Sweet Disney show and I remember I remember, you know, the, the director after doing a little take and what doing a take whatnot, and whatnot I really was giving her, you know, the best that I had kind of thing and she looked over at me and said, she, she, she. that was wonderful Martin wonderful, marvelous. The next take you could speak to your daughter is if you don't
0: want to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's yeah. pretty cool. So what kind of stuff does your does your character do to be a villain in this particular uh series?
4: Well, I mean I, it's not it's not that he's uh, you know, it's not that he's um, you know, he's going out there, you know, in a sense, you know, you know, killing people or causing mayhem. It's it's he's uh, you know, I guess he's sort of representative of, of you know, big business in that sense. And he he kind of uh, you know, he just he's looking at the almighty dollar and that and he looks at that before he looks at uh, you know, how his actions may affect people, and and uh, so he you know I think that's sort of more in a in a sense more how he does it. He's looking at his pocketbook and what he can do to to make that that grow, and he doesn't really care too much how it affects other people.
0: That's very true. I've noticed in business sometimes you just cannot be a decent person to make it. It's it's sad but true. You know you got to if you want that money and you want that success, you got to sometimes just hurt people, and it's not that you intend to do it; it's just you have to do it.
4: Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess part of that too, I mean, you know, in that, in that same token today, you know, like um, you know, some gentlemen in business, they have the feeling, you know, that they, I know, you know, a few friends of mine have done, have done very well on that too, and I look at that and they go, well, they, they feel a responsibility to, you know, the, the families and, the, the, you know, people who are long time employees and whatnot, and you know, and so they, you know, if they want to stay in business, they got to continue to make money. And, uh, and so, you know, they got to make the hard, the hard decisions at certain points in order to be ensure that the majority of the people who work for them, you know, are, are able to stay employed and that too. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, for, for the, you know, the fellow or the villain, so to speak, or, you know, the gallon himself, he kind of looks at it that way where it's like, you know, I've, I've got a, a lot of people I need to take care of. And if, uh, if it's going to be that way, then, you know, some people may get hurt along the way, but, good, so to speak. I guess that's probably how the weekend a guy kind of looks at it, you know, but I mean, how
0: gallant does it. Mean? Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we we interviewed Erin from the show, and she seemed like yeah. really an amazing person just by talking to her. What's your experience with her, and yeah, what like, kind yeah. of things can, can you say that uh, you've had interactions with?
4: Well, so she's, I mean, she's great. She, You know, it, it's nice, you know, when, uh, when, you know, when the lead of your show I mean, Aaron, Lori, and Dan there, you know, um, when, you know, when they're, like, kind, generous people, are professional, show up on time and get the job done and and all that, and they, you know, treat everybody respectfully, when when they behave that way, then that that filters all the way down the line, you know, like, and and so it makes it just for a really nice atmosphere to go to work, because everybody's there, you know, everyone's professional, we're all just sort of having a laugh, and, and, you know, and uh, you, know, you know, grateful to be to be working on working and and uh, you know on 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 a show that is you know enjoyable and, you know kind of fun to be at. So you
0: know, she sets a nice tone because she's seen as the kind, generous person. Right. And what's Lori Laughlin like? I mean, I watched her on on Full House. She was the guy that kept that rebel, you know, Uncle Jesse in the chair. Yeah, yeah.
4: You know, really. Well, ch- Lori's the same. Yeah, Lori's the same, right? Like, just she's exactly who she appears to be in terms of this, you know just a, a really very very nice person you know that's the that's the trick about the show like everybody they're just a really good really good group of people like they're they're you know they're people you wouldn't mind having over for dinner you know what i mean (laughs) you know they're just uh you know they're just really nice you know sweet kind kind people you
0: know Mm -hmm. does that make the show better does that type of relationship help make the show better and actually more successful do you think
4: I don't know. I mean, I, I, who can tell what what you know why things are successful or why things do you know what, why one show is successful over another? But I will say that it makes it a uh, a lot more enjoyable place to go to work. You know. I mm-hmm. mean, I think for myself, I think you know, I think that one calls a heart does you know does has struck the chord on some level because it's you know there's just so many shows with you know I will say there's just so many shows with you know. Guys walking down an alley with a flashlight, looking at dead bodies are all over the place. But there's not too many shows. Like, I mean, I can't think of you know too many shows really offhand where where you know you can sit down with a family, you can watch a thing, and and uh, you know, and everybody can kind of enjoy it, you know. And it's a sort of sweet, nice little show. It's uh, you know with uh, with uh, you know a pile of gunplay and and uh, you know, rocking up the body counts and all that kind of thing. You know, other than sort of silly comedies, and that there's not a lot of shows you can sit down with your family and uh, and and watch, you know.
0: No, you're right. I mean, I've actually I mean,
4: there used to be, but there isn't anymore and you know, and so, in a sense, I was I said, said to Brian bird sometimes is that is that you know, this show, in a sense, ends up being kind of a rebel in the old you know old days, there was lots of nice show, nice family shows like this, and then it became both detective shows the harder edge stuff and and this became passe, but now there's so all this hard edge stuff, and there's nothing you can watch with your family. and I think that's sort of the void that one calls the hard shows and and it's coming time we. You know, it's kind of a timely
0: thing. Well, I agree. I mean, there are a lot of shows that I used to just love, and you just don't see the type of quality of shows that are out there anymore. It seems like they've dumbed it down so much, or they've violenced it up so much just to make it interesting, but I actually think that ruins it.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, it just gets tiresome. I mean, there's a place for that. I enjoy watching the detective show and watching those things too. But I mean, just it just gets tiresome the fast cuts and all the stuff going and just on and on and on and on. You know, it, it just gets tiresome. It's because it's all it all looks the same, it all sounds the same, and it's all the same. You know, and uh, and and also, like I've got four kids, I can't sit down and watch this stuff. With uh, if I want to sit on sit down in the evening and watch a little bit of the with the kids, like like how do I watch something? Where it's got a spread, but well, I got a spread here from you know of, of kids from six, I've got six, seven, eleven, and, and nineteen, and um, you know the nineteen year old he's, he's moved out out on his own here now. But like I mean, he comes over, I thought, how do how can I sit down and watch something that everybody can watch on television? There's not uh, there mainly other straight you can get out with it's just not not really it's not really out there, mm-hmm. you know. So in terms of new programming,
0: you know, yeah, I hear you. So what other things have you done yeah. besides the uh, when calls the heart?
4: I mean, I've done you know some 300 hours of television. I guess I mean you know all kinds of different things, and I've done lots of you know I've been we do a lot of you know there's been a lot of science fiction stuff that shoots up. I'm from Vancouver, in Canada, and you know so you know I did you know four years on on Paul Reiser's Legacy, you know television series, and you know I did Dark Angel. I chased Jessica Alba around as a bad guy, and and you know just lots of lots of different different television and you know independent features sort of thing. I direct a little bit in that too, and. Um. Yeah, you know, just on it goes, just working away, making a living and feeding kids. You know, that's right.
0: <laughs> well, I know we only got about three yeah. or four minutes left, so kind of tell me how what got you involved in acting. What made it special for you?
4: In, in acting, well, um, I don't know. I it's kind of, I just sort of fell into it. I guess. I mean, I, I I started doing it when I was in when I was in high school, and and it's something I was you know I kind of had fun and enjoyed doing and. And, uh, you know, my, my mom, my mom who passed when I was 18 was always very supportive of it, man. She, you know, when we used to do school plays and stuff, it was always kind of a laugh because she always, uh, um, she showed up to every performance of every school play that I ever did, like every single night. And my the theater teacher always kind of got a giggle over that because if there was eight performances of the show, she'd be there for every single night. So she always sort of loved it. And, and, uh, it's something I always, always enjoyed. And, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in a, family where we're you know commercial fishermen and whatnot my I, I i you know i fished commercially decked deck for my father from when i was nine till i was 16 and then um skippered boats for him from 16 to 26 but uh you know i always did the acting thing too and then and uh you know that you know the, the fishing became something that i did just sort of for dad and also be, you know skippering his boats because i enjoyed it but acting is, is how i made a living and i had you know all these years and, supported my kids and and uh, you know and, and you know I feel blessed I could do something that I do enjoy
0: you know Absolutely. It's, just, it's nice you know yeah so out of you have, you've had quite a bit of experience and if you could give uh, anybody even your children or anybody that wants to be into the acting field one bit of advice what would that be?
4: so well, it's you know, yeah. It's a funny thing. Is that is it? It can be a tough gig. You know, so it, I remember somebody because I I taught a little bit here and there. I had a you know an acting studio teaching on Sunday nights. More fun than anything else. And I had a, a friend of mine come in and he said, you know, uh, this is my advice to you. And that is, is that if you can can possibly possibly do anything else and be happy, you should do it <laughs> because. It's, it can be a tough gig and, and, uh, and, uh you know, you know, it's, it's tough to make a living at it, you know, and, you know, if you, so if you can find something else, you have happiness in, but if you can't, then maybe this is what you're cut out for, cause this is, you know, cause you gotta have enough, uh, enough to be able to keep, you know, sort of throwing the rock against the wall and keep working hard at it and doing it, cause it's, uh, you know, it's, it's out for everyone too, where it's like the kind of thing where, you know, the uncertainty of it at a certain points, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's, for me, there's just nothing else that I wanted to do. There's nothing else that I could, uh, you know that I that that I wanted to do. So that was enough for me to just keep grinding away at it until uh, until I you know met some you know some success and I'm able to feed the kids and you know made a good living out of it because you know and I feel blessed because a lot, a lot of people
0: don't you know. I hear you. Well, Martin, we are just yeah. about a minute left on it. Uh, tell people how they can watch the uh, When Calls the Heart. How they can?
4: Once you um, you know what I don't know where I'm not I'm not sure about where it airs and when and all kind of thing. To be totally honest with you. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'm not
4: sure because I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting up here in Canada, right? And so I'm not sure what the what happens with the in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of airing in the states and that. You know,
0: like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I hear you.
4: Not much help in that area.
0: Well, I can try to help you out here. Uh, guys, I'm do have the. Uh, i going to have a couple of editions uh, for everybody to give away, so if you want to be a part of that, write us and tell us why you want this, and then uh, we'll choose a winner on that. Plus, it is on the Hallmark Channel of the United States. So thank you, Martin, for coming on and spending some time with us.
4: My pleasure, Charlie. Thank you so much for having
0: me. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to be hearing some more music and more commentary, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd, and I release one of my most profound photographic collections to date my 3d collection since 2009 i've looked for ways to bring my art to life in ways that would amaze my audience after a rare malfunction at disney i realized that 3d was the way to go now the series can be seen in galleries all the way across the united states if you want to see this collection contact my studio imagination art studios by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com and ask how while you're there check out my award-winning dreams nightmares fears and fantasy collection as well as my morbid sensations collection Again, that's www.imaginationartstudios.com. All right, guys. It is the end of the show already. I don't know where the time has gone. But, man, I have had a lot of fun with you guys. I hope you enjoyed our guests. And I hope they got to teach you a lot of stuff, too, along the way or inspire you to become an artist in any way, shape, or form, whether it be a culinary art, musical, theatrical, fine artist. It doesn't matter. Get out there and try it. That's the most important part. And have fun doing it. Art isn't a job. It's meant to be fun, but it's great to be able to make some money at it. So if you always keep it as something fun, you will succeed. Now, I have uh, some really exciting stuff to tell you. Just about two weeks ago, I finished off the violinist steampunk that I was telling you guys about. You can find it on my website at www.imaginationartstudios.com. You can also find it on our Facebook, which is... uh, uh, excuse me, facebook.com forward slash Dowd Studios Art. You'll be able to see it there. It is in the Morbid Sensations uh, album that we have, and I hope you guys like it. Uh, one, of the, one of the backgrounds, believe it or not, as you know, everything that I do is Disney-inspired, but this one is actually Disney. The background to the Violinist serenade is the is part of the Pirates of the Caribbean I saw it when I was going through when we got stuck and I'm like man this is a great picture I hope I can use it for something and sure enough it worked out it was an amazing picture and uh, I really got I really guys I hope you like it I have a lot more stuff coming up I have a couple of pinup shoots coming up and I will be sharing those with you as soon as they come out too so um, let's uh, let's finish this thing out I wanna I want to w- uh, again thank you guys for coming and, and spending some time with me and I will see you guys next year I and I, it's gonna be a great year and I cannot wait to bring in more stuff and we are also taping a new segment for our television show starting this week, and it's going to air on our first first segment in 2016 as well. So check out our television show for that. So with that, guys, Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year. We will see you in 2016. Until then, keep those creative juices flowing, and we're going to be closing with a song. So enjoy it.